0: Hello and welcome to Capture Caledonia, the tracks that take us back, the podcast with me, Ewan Petrie. Each week I'm joined by a guest who tells me all about the places in Scotland that mean the most to them and the memories and stories associated with these particular places. Then we listen to the songs that have become the soundtrack to these wonderful memories. I can't play all the songs in full due to copyright, but I hope that you enjoy the podcast nonetheless. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you subscribe to it and leave us a rating and a review. You can also find us on social media. For Facebook and Instagram, just search Capture Caledonia. And for Twitter, search Capture Cali. Please like and share the pages with all your friends and family to help spread the word of Capture Caledonia and to keep up with the latest news. If you would like to support the podcast to help with future episodes, you can now donate on my Buy Me A Coffee page, which is www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash Capture Cali. Any amount, no matter how small, really goes a long way. Thank you so much for your continued support and for listening to this week's episode. You're listening to the tracks that take us back on Capture Caledonia with Ewan Petrie. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome actor David Carlyle to The Tracks That Take Us Back. Raised in Hamilton in South Lanarkshire, David followed his acting ambitions to London, where he studied at Rose Bruford College. Since graduating, David has built up a very impressive CV of stage credits, appearing in productions with the National Theatre, Regents Park Open Air Theatre, Dundee Rep, the Citizens Theatre in Glasgow, the Royal Lyceum in Edinburgh, the National Theatre of Scotland and many more. David has also begun making his mark on the screen, with previous credits including Casualty, Lip Service and Bodyguard. However, his biggest break has come playing the role of Gregory French in the Russell T. Davis smash hit drama It's a Sin. It's a Sin received nationwide critical acclaim, and after being viewed on Channel 4's streaming service All4 more than 6.5 million times in its first few weeks, it's become the most binge-watched drama program in All4's history. The show follows a group of friends who lived in London during the HIV and AIDS crisis in the 80s and early 90s. The show has been credited with raising HIV awareness and creating an upsurge in testing with the Terence Higgins Trust charity reporting that 8,200 testing kits were ordered in a single day up from a previous high of 2,800, which is one of the reasons why TV dramas like It's a Sin are so important to make. David, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to Capture Caledonia.
1: Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> a good introduction, thanks. Oh, you're do welcome. Put it out like that?
0: <laughs> do you know when I when I read the, the stat there about the Terence Higgins Trust when I was researching mm. stuff to, to say, I, I was completely shocked by that actually, just how much higher that, that was after It's a Sin went out. That must be Amazing. really sort of overwhelming to, to sort of hear figures like that when you've been a part of a program like that.
1: Yeah, and, and, and it happening while it was going out and hearing these figures coming at you, you're like, oh my goodness. And do you know, there was a show, Robert Peston, I don't know if you watched that, but on like Wednesday night, he does a, a news interview, news show, and um, they were calling it the It's a Sin effect. <laughs> <laughs> you go, oh my goodness, like this show is having an effect like on public health. And and then um, I think he actually might be like, a counsellor, I need to look into it, but in Lambeth, Philip Normal, He he's also a, a, an artist, a designer, he designed a t-shirt, the La t-shirt, and um, 20 quid of the £25 pounds that you pay for it, he's sent to Terence Higgins Trust, and I mean, the last I checked, he was over £300,000 raised for wow. that, the charity, and I mean, incredible, and you know, that. The, the la is, is the for those that haven't seen it, it's The same la is the thing that the pink palace, sponge and then me, as the kind of extension of the pink palace, my character. They'll say that as a greeting and a and a goodbye. And that t-shirts now. It's just incredible that you think a TV show and Russell T Davies, the creator, he texted us regularly. But what one text he sent was that just it came out of nowhere just to say that just so you're aware. Um, I'm as surprised as everybody else this this wasn't meant to happen <laughs> <laughs> a TV show about age should not have had this much of an impact uh, across the nation you know like it's meant to be a I don't know it's such a heavy subject and yet it was kind of embraced with kind of warmth and celebration yeah incredible I, I sort of I'm still I'm genuinely trying to make sense of what happened because for us it was just this project that we had a great time doing and then bang <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's having this huge emotional effect with people which is it's brilliant
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's a phenomenal piece of television and, and I think you spoke well you just said there actually how much how much fun you guys had making it and that mm. comes across so well on screen and I think that's part oh, of the God. reason why it hits home so hard is because you, you see over the first few episodes in particular just how close these people are and it is fun and it comes across as being a really fun and exciting time. But it was also a time where it was extremely difficult and it became, you know, I can only imagine how stressful it must have been, you know, being in that situation at that time, not knowing anything really about what was happening and discovering it as it went on. And the, the episode that actually hits hard, well, it hit home initially for me was when, you know, the, the, the character, I've completely forgotten his name, actually, the Welsh, the Welsh character colin colin, colin goes goes to new york and he comes yeah. back with oh, yeah, yeah. all this material and mm-hmm. on 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 aids and and what the effect it's having over there and it must have been it must have been sort of gobsmacking getting that here for the first time finding out what they've had over there
1: yeah that's that was definitely a big conversation for us because you know i should sort of say that this was all written filmed edited before COVID, yeah. so this idea of not knowing about this scary thing that could make you ill really was difficult to understand because we know everything now, and if we don't know something, you just take out your phone and you find out. It takes two minutes. So trying to tap into this genuine unknown fear and and and, and acting was was tough. We didn't know what how to make head or tail of it really, and so we just had to keep talking to Russell about these magazines that you would that he would just see kind of peppered around bars but you didn't you know It was like okay and then that was it You just left it uh it really was america was the the nation that was publicizing information but really it was only like two cities it was san francisco and new york and then there was this kind of otherwise media blackout around it so did you feel terrified
0: did you feel a pressure telling this story given you know that it's got such a close personal connection to so many people
1: yeah definitely and you know, when I got the part, it was like, oh my God, okay, this is gonna be amazing. And then you kind of really settle down into the work and the, the end of episode two, which is kind of my episode, I suppose my character's episode, Gloria's episode, um, Russell says, the, on the script, the final sentence he writes was, this really happened. So if, uh, not to give anything away to people, but there's a moment where you go, oh my goodness, this is horrible, what's happened to this guy? And then he tells you, told us it's true. And I asked him, I didn't want to know too much about it, but I said, you know, was this does this person exist? And he just said yes. <laughs> and so then I thought, oh my goodness, like his family's probably alive still. And um, as far as I, I, I'm aware, they they still haven't said that their son died of AIDS and that he was gay. Uh, as far as, you know, we're aware from information that we could get. <laughs> uh, so I, I just felt this like, oh my goodness, I've really got to do this properly. And then there's a scene where uh, Gregory, he's so confused about what's going on with him. And I remember thinking, I've got to do this properly because this is what a lot of people go through. It's, it's, it's probably one of the longest scenes in the, the show, that kind of conversation. And I really, it's a lot of research, a lot of sitting with it, a lot of thinking it through, what would I feel like? What, what if it was me? Yeah, you know, I did I definitely felt pressure. And the day that we shot those scenes, that the ones where I'm in my flat, they, they were they, I mean they, they were right at the back of my brain for months. And as soon as I got over them, I just slept for days and days, <laughs> like it's out now. I can't do anything about it. I definitely felt a pressure. Because it just means so much to people. It's such an emotional thing, the idea of yeah, having to suffer, like or, or feeling like that they're suffering. Um yeah, I was definitely felt overwhelmed by it at times.
0: <laughs> How long did you have from finding out that you'd gotten the part to beginning filming or beginning rehearsals?
1: Not too long. Uh, I was one of the last cast. I think they have been looking for my part for months. And then I went in early September. I went in on the, I got the call the Monday night, say I had the casting on the Wednesday morning. I went for the casting. I got offered it on the Friday. And then I think it was two weeks, and then I was in Manchester doing the read-through. Wow. So to be honest, I'd really just finished reading all the scripts for the time I went to the (laughs) read-through, because I took my time with it. You know, it was was quite emotional even just reading them. And then that first Monday, I went up, my agent had said, they might want you to hang around for some rehearsal, but that was all I knew. And I turned up Monday morning at 5am train or something out of Houston to Manchester, and I got handed a schedule. And it was the five of them, the Pink Palace lot, plus me, just spending the whole week chatting with Russell and Peter, our director, and going for dinner and drinks and things. It was just this whole week that I just hadn't been aware I was going to go through. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, by the end of that week, I was like, I had five new best friends uh, and was completely like feet under the table with the production. Uh, yeah, it felt, it was definitely a whirlwind. It's going to, i I'm, I hope there is another job that feels like, this did in my life but it might be it <laughs> it might be the best job <laughs> Oh, <Uh-oh.
0: laughs> I mean amazing though to have that kind of job well obviously at the time you didn't know what was going to unfold in the next sort of year you know or 18 months mm-hmm. what we know now but a-, a lovely one to sort of have over this period of time as well something to reflect on when times are hard and be like wow that was a an amazing experience
1: yes yeah I mean a hundred percent and have like because we were doing a bit of ADR as well during lockdown, and that was a bit of fun because they had to send out like a crew to the house, um, and hand you up. You know, like it was this whole strange thing to try to do, and so it just it was small things, but it kept me busy enough. You know, it was something in the diary every couple of weeks, which for an actor's tough, isn't it? Because this this pandemic just decimated like our entire diaries for the, for a year, and still have I've got nothing really lined up yet, um. So it was always good having that, and I think having it, knowing it was coming out, so there was a kind of build up and a celebration towards it, and then riding the wave of it transmitting for five weeks. I've been very, very fortunate. I, I, uh, I just thank goodness for it. It's been something just to hang on to and think about and, and enjoy, I suppose.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to find out a little bit about your sort of early involvement with with acting and how you started pursuing it as a career you grew up in in South Lanarkshire in Hamilton what was your first experience of of theatre and what what made you think yeah this is this is what I want to do with the rest of my life
1: well what actually is true is that I that my I had two childhoods so one of them is Cumbernauld and that was till about nine or ten years old and then Then I moved to Hamilton. And I guess because that's when you're going through puberty, not to put too fair a point in it, but you start (laughs) to just kind of develop your brain a little bit more. And and so that felt like the kind of definitive years Hamilton. That definitely feels like my home. Um, To be honest, it was when I was in Cumberland, my mum was like, this boy isn't kind of normal (laughs) and I was sort of always like doing impressions and singing and dancing things and she's like we need to kind of find an outlet for him so I went to I I mean a a million and one youth theatres I can't even really remember the first one to be honest it was probably like a village hall somewhere in um, Cumbernauld I've got a vague image of being in a village hall somewhere Um, and then it just kind of progressed and I just kept going to youth theatres. And then eventually I ended up at Hamilton Youth Theatre. So to this point, I'm about 12, 13 and just kept going for it. I mean, in between I was doing, you know, like there's the children, a child chorus of these pantos, you know, like in the (laughs) Pavilion of the Kings, you know, so I did that when I was like seven or eight, nine, 10. And then eventually I got too old for that. So I started doing the youth theatres a lot more. Uh, I was definitely into it. Uh, school drama was my my thing, and then, but it just felt like it was like it was just always there. It was never, I decided, you know, some I've got some mates who acting was never anything in their mind, and then they hit sixteen and they realised they were great, and then you know they've got this <laughs> like incredible career. And I am like, that never happened to me. It was just always I couldn't kind of help it. It was just it was a it was a way for me to uh, I don't know just express or like kind of be myself too. I think. The other thing is, I mean, I'm gay and, and growing up gay in the kind of 90s, I don't know, felt... I, I was aware of going, oh, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> Those were the thoughts. And then, like, being at youth theatres, they, they nobody judged that. It wasn't that being expressive wasn't camp or it wasn't gay. It was just, you're good at this. You're a good, yeah. you're a good performer, you know? So I guess that's why so many... And gay guys always end up in the theater. <laughs> that's the cliche, isn't it? Um so uh yeah, that that was that was it was a safe space as well, I think. And so I kinda clung to it. Not that not that my life wasn't safe other in other areas, it's just it it felt like I wasn't I wasn't different there. I yeah, think that's the way to put it. I wasn't different there.
0: No, this ultimately led to to you going down to drama school in London to to Rose Bruford. What what was it like exchanging Hamilton for, for London? Like how did you find that?
1: Well, there's an in-between part of this, actually, where I I went to LIPA, which is the Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts, for one year. I did it like a foundation there, which I definitely needed because uh, I just, I was sort of so, I hadn't even come out by that point, you know. So there was a part of me that was just hidden. Um, and I went to LIPA for one year and, and that was just doing voice movement, acting classes. Uh, I'm not sure how much I developed my skill there or anything, but I definitely grew up mm in that one year. And Liverpool was a kind of safe space because I've got family there and I, I know the city. But when I finished that year, but that point I was auditioning for drama schools and I was accepted at the, what was formerly the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama, now the Royal Conservatory of Scotland. Mm. Uh, and I really toyed with going there, but there was a bit of me that just, it wasn't, it just, I just didn't want to go home yet. Mm. I felt like there was more discovery still to happen. So I chose Rose Bruford. Um, but I, I feel like I, I kind of took to it okay I, I was never overwhelmed by London or the I think maybe what I found strange <laughs> was um, oh my god this sounds xenophobic but the amount of English people <laughs> oh god <laughs> it was <laughs> it was just that there were, there were people from, like, Oxford. My best friend, for example, Max, is was born in Oxford and had this whole other kind of experience of life that I didn't know about. And then there were people from Cornwall. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, <laughs> what's it like living in Cornwall? And then um, the Midlands, you know, like, I don't know, and Welsh people that I hadn't really hung out with before. Uh, <laughs> that, that was That was interesting. So that was my biggest, it just felt like there was this, like, big hodgepodge of, the British Isles all in this one college which was just and and also internationally it's a, much, it's a much bigger international school so I was getting to meet people from everywhere and that that kind of felt great and I, I honestly feel that I have my home which is Scotland but I have my a second home and it, it is that it's it's on equal footing as London I feel really at home in London I've never felt out of place here which also might be something to do with my sexuality. I don't know because like there are kind of, there are more vibrant people than me walking around Soho, you know, so (laughs) you you actually blend in down here. whereas I maybe felt like when I was 18 that I stood out a bit in Glasgow. So maybe that's why, but I, I, I loved my training. I just loved it and I loved everything about it. And I was, I felt quite good at what I did and the college seemed to think I was quite good at it. And I made, brilliant friends and Roseburyford College is set out of London a bit it's like Zone 6 kind of Greater London Sid Cup, which meant I wasn't um, distracted by the bars and the theatres so much I mean I could visit them in half an hour but it definitely me- meant that my training was I was kind of immersed which was really great and it's quite a safe it's quite a small place Sidcup it felt quite safe and yeah I loved it there. I kind of look back and go, I really wish I could do it again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like what we've spoken about is probably going to blend well into into the choices that you've made for the tracks that take us back. So we should probably move on to the first place that you've chosen. Do you mind explaining Mm. why you've chosen this
1: place? So this is Cumbernauld. And uh, I I mentioned briefly there that I feel like I've had two childhoods. So Hamilton being my kind of teenage years and Cumbernauld, Abram Hill specifically being where I was, I think, probably two years old, till 10, maybe, uh, in a scheme. And um, this song is one of my earliest memories. And my mum, it must have been a record rather than a CD, but she would play it quite a lot, which, again, is sort of odd my mum. She's not really a musical person. But this song, I just remember, and I just loved it. And every time that uh, I got this real clear image of dancing in the living room with my mum, which was quite cute, in my head um but again like any one song it probably only occupied about two hours of my life but it's sort of um what's the word like formed an image of that childhood so I can remember running around Abram Hill and hiding and building dens and kind of escaping the the bigger boys that were going to beat me up and <laughs> and, the, and like hiding at the kind of the, the village hall watching the the women doing the aerobics and then getting told <laughs> to get lost by the, <laughs> by the instructor. And and cause it like where where I lived, Gregory's girl was filmed, you know, I mean? so you can really see the images now if I, if I say that. Yeah. So that was like, that, that was my childhood was literally running around the squares of those kind of concrete slabs of Abram Hill. Um, and this song for, for some reason is just linked to all of that. So every time it comes on, there is a, catalogue of images that flood me from (laughs) Cumbernauld
0: do you still have family that live in Cumbernauld
1: no none sadly um we were just there it was my mum my stepdad's my sister and brother and then sometimes my step sister and stepbrother would would stay with us for a while and then we left and we moved to Hamilton it was this kind of big move that just happened when I was 10 and I left everything behind from there so maybe that's another thing it's really linked to what feels like a memory. Oh, I should say as well, I visited it when in 2017. Like I literally parked where my mum would have parked you know, back <laughs> in the day uh, with my partner because we were passing through Cumbernauld to head up to Aviemore because um, he'd never been. And I was like, oh, let's go up. It's lovely up there. I said, well, let's just call in and you can see where my childhood was. And um, I got out of the car and like, it, it felt like a, a dream because I guess I've never went back ever you know, since since I left in, what would that have been, 2000? Maybe even, no, earlier, 1998 or something, 1997. So it just felt like a total smack um, of this dream that I'd forgotten about, or not forgotten, just it was a lot of images, and just looking at my old house, and yeah, amazing. I just kind of would love to go back again and really, I'd love, to, I was desperate to chap on the door down the close, you know, and say, like, I used to live here, can I come in? But it was so weird. <laughs> just, can't do that. But it's this, this song, for some reason, is just, well, I, I remember the one moment of dancing with my mum in the living room, but it's just linked to all those images.
0: I was going to ask, but I, th- I think you've probably answered it. You've, you've never been uh, you've never performed at the Cumbernauld Theatre with, with a job since you left drama school.
1: Oh, my goodness, I have. Yeah, I did with um, Monster in the Hall and Yellow Moon, which was the Citizens Theatre and National Theatre Scotland. Yes, but the thing is, Abram Hill is not near that at all doesn't feel like it's near that at all. So going back going to Cumbernauld theater, I just felt like a whole other thing. It didn't feel mm. like linked to my childhood at all. Um yeah, that is but I, so I have been there. Yeah. We did uh we toured there for like two days or something and did uh did a show there. And uh, like I think Outlander that's filmed up in the country park in Cumbernauld I think or parts of it are and um I always really wanted to get that job because I thought oh, they'll put me up somewhere near Cumbernauld <laughs> <laughs> and then I can I can go in there. Uh, Alas, I've never had a job with Outlander. Um, I'm sure it's so coming. Yeah, like, but I know. That's, that'd be fun. <laughs> do a bit of period. Yeah, running around with a sword. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's just, Abram Hill's just this place. It's just gone now, you know? I just haven't been back, apart from to, to drip, dip in and dip out.
0: Um, I think you've painted a really wonderful picture, actually, of your, your sort of memories connected to this song. So, do you mind introducing the song for us and we'll listen to it?
1: Yeah. This is uh, Splish Splash, brackets, I was taking a bath, uh, <laughs> and it's probably Darren.
0: Splish Splash, I was taking a bath Long about a Saturday night Yeah! Rubbed up, just relaxing in the tub Thinking everything was alright Well, I stepped out the tub, put my feet on the floor I wrapped the towel around me and I opened the door And then a splish splash in the I out and know there was a party going on was I love that choice of song by the way I think it's <laughs> I think it's such so a great. Good, choice. I was playing it when you <laughs> sent me the email with your choices I was playing it on Spotify and um, my girlfriend was like, I think that song's used in a Victoria plumbing advert.
1: I was, like, <laughs> I was like i it's haven't so heard good. i don't think
0: i've heard it but it's so catchy
1: <laughs> it's so catchy it's uh, when it says, uh, good golly miss molly was even there too which is one of his other songs it's just like awesome and i think i've got this image of being like four in a bath like just dancing around like <laughs> with bubbles like it's, i just love it it's such a cool song i love bobby down too
0: Okay, let's move on to your second place today. Where would you like to talk about next?
1: Hmm. Let's do Tea in the Park. (laughs) (laughs) In chronological order. (laughs) Tea in the Park is uh, is my second place. God, what to say about tea in the park, here <laughs> i like, what, what, what to say and what not to say about tea in the park?
0: <laughs> I think God. we must be quite similar in age, I think, because tea in the park for me when I was at school was almost like a rite of passage. It was like, mm-hmm. this is where you went in the summer. Everyone wanted to go. And I think I actually, I actually went six years in a row to tea in the park. Um, oh good on you from like 2004 maybe it was yeah 2004 to 2009 I think I went (laughs) which is crazy because I was 14 when I first went I can't believe my parents let me go
1: that's that's amazing really 14
0: yeah friends a friend's dad said he would take us and I I think they they trusted that he was quite responsible when in fact he he wasn't (laughs) really that responsible (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> drinking hooch and stuff yeah like yeah i can imagine Gosh, so you've had quite an experience with that then 14 right the way through like to adulthood i mean that's that's a journey between the part you probably started out going the music and then ended up at the party yeah it's amazing i remember it,
0: it being such an eye-opener the first year I, I do remember being quite overwhelmed by the whole experience but but finding just so much joy in the music that's really what i wanted to to see and i hadn't yeah. seen that much live music before so it was it was amazing that you could see all of these bands in the space of three days it was just yeah i loved it
1: that's it isn't it i mean I, I, scene-led music for me hadn't really been it was yeah part of my life but it wasn't you know it was it's not the way it is now oh, sorry, it was sadly yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed we're nearly there but um yeah Tina apart, like it was just so much in one place and it's all the time so even when you're back at the tent this music just keeps playing. In fact, that's why the track I've chosen is is there, because it was this song that was constantly on. Um, and so I think I went, like, it, it wasn't oh God, not like you, six years in a row, but I went three years in a row. Once with my school friend Craw, Graham Craw, and then uh, the second year with my stepdad. That year was nuts. Was, that was the year the, the park flooded and we were all queued in a car for like 12 hours. And then when we finally parked up, you had to traipse like miles across this mud at like midnight, pitch your tent And at midnight. Oh, what? And then you wake up in the morning and you were just covered in mud. So sort of, <laughs> Like, you know, this is Thursday morning or whatever and you'd absolutely mock it. Um <laughs> And then <laughs> that was kind of, that felt like a more sedate year because that was the year when my stepdad and we really went for the music and so I didn't get distracted by partying too much. And then the following year, which was really brilliant, was... Uh, my mates from drama school, my friend Haley Squires, who's an actor herself, now she was with me, and her friend Lindsay, and then lots of other mates, like from drama, other drama schools, and my friend Steph, who's a drama school, were all there, like in different bits of the campsite, and we just, it was just awesome. And that's where this song took place. But for me, it was just, see, the part was just, I don't know, like such a celebration. I just had some of the best laughs do you know what I mean like it, I can't really recall like specific moments apart from maybe with this song but I just feel like I laughed for days and days and days and standing watching some of these amazing acts and then getting lost in another tent and then you know you've lost your mates for four hours and there's no real chance you're gonna find them again. But you happen to bump <laughs> into them like watching the headline act on the Saturday night. Like, oh hey, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> I've just been wandering around for hours. <laughs> just love that. Like that's the I just wish I could kind of live, I I say this everything is nostalgic now. I wish I could live my life like that but if I went back now I'd last one day and then I'd have to get a taxi I'd go like now. Nah. I'd <laughs> go home my head's killing me
0: <laughs> yeah I don't think I could handle it now no I, I actually because I, I, I've, I've actually recently moved out of Glasgow but I was in Glasgow when Transmit started up as a sort of substitute for Tea in the Park which no longer happens and I would mm-hmm. I would watch these sort of you know I guess like 14 to sort of 18 year olds take over Glasgow because it's Glasgow Green, so it happens pretty centrally, and oh, I would look right, at them yeah. partying and, and going, and I'm like, I just I just couldn't do it now. <laughs> I'd love to, I but I couldn't.
1: <laughs> I know because it's it's just a it's just noise and party for routine party. Do you remember when they extended it as well? And it was Thursday. You could go Wednesday, I think, even. So you had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, and then you'd be at work on Tuesday just like rattling <laughs> like I haven't slept in days I've drank too much like yeah. oh yeah like that, that, those are the days <laughs> it's
0: funny you spoke about like losing friends in somewhere like tea in the park and I have a vivid memory of like your phone just never working because there's so many people trying to access the network so you're right if you lose them you've just got no hope of finding them again
1: that's it and this was like when we, we didn't have portable look at us now like sitting here discussing the old times we didn't have portable chargers (laughs) so you'd have to like go on an expedition like one morning you'd get up and sort of shake off kind of the night before and then You'd have to like go right. I'm gonna go and charge my phone. So you'd sort of like take a <laughs> bottle with you or whatever, water or alcohol whatever <laughs> you needed, and then wander off for two hours and just wait for your phone to charge. <laughs> and then wander back and hope that somebody's done breakfast. <laughs> you a great, man. And then like I remember it was there was one day we need to charge our phone, but it was just mobbed that you couldn't get charged. So then we had to then walk back to the car, which was about a two hour walk away, it felt like. Uh, oh like you just it was I don't know it feels like you're in game of thrones or something when you're
0: there so good just when you said that you walked back to the car it just gave me a flashback to all the inventive ways that people would take you know their booze and and whatnot everything they basically wanted to have Mm -hmm. for the weekend from their car in initially i remember like people tying boxes and crates of beer to sledges
1: and and trolleys and stuff like that (laughs) that was me that was that was my mode of transport sledges tied around your waist and then some someone would be in charge of the tent, Another other person was in charge of the, the glasses, whatever, the drink cans. And that oh, absolutely. And then I remember running out of sun cream at one point and that really being an issue because of, you know, Celtic skin. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> nobody had brought sun cream with us. I was like, what, there's six of us? Like, how did nobody think, oh, we thought you'd bring it? And then, <laughs> then I, t- I was in the middle of the the field and just thought i need to ask somebody, so i just shouted out is anybody Get any sun cream <laughs> and this woman popped up and went, here you go son and it was like disney factor 50 i mean she knew what i needed like just plastered <laughs> that on my forehead to cover up the, the blisters that were coming from like oh man
0: <laughs> yeah when i look back at photos from tina park I've, I've always got a slight sunburn on the go like a, a red <laughs> yeah, that's glow it. that's <laughs> it, so oh, good. I loved it. <laughs> i'm so glad you chose tea in the park now i've just had such a good little reminisce there sure. as well of my my memories there um <laughs> no i i think the song actually that you've chosen here is for me is like the epitome of tea in the park so do you mind introducing the song and we'll we'll listen to it
1: I've got to give you a little precursor to it because this is why it's here. So the people that were staying next to us this year in particular were called were major fans of this band. Um, and, but there was a Neddy group, <laughs> the other side of us, who just kept singing one line over and over again. And there's a line in the, that says, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier. And for about four days, constantly, every 15 minutes really, they break into <laughs> it. I've got, I've got ham, but I'm not a hamster. <laughs> it's just so stupid. For four days, they would just chant this every now and again. And my friend Haley, who's from Kent, was like, Well, I just shut up. <laughs> so, this song every time I hear it, I just can't forget this group. Uh, so the song is <laughs> All the Things That I've Done <laughs> by The Killers. <laughs> I
0: got so soldier. I got soul, but I- hoping that someone's listening to this
1: who was part of that group
0: going that was me, we sang that at the park.
1: it was horrendous do you remember that like, there was the Ring of Fire time where people would just start singing Ring oh, of Fire and it yep. would just sort of then the whole campsite would go off whereas this year it was that I've got a ham but I'm not a hamster and then a thousand people would join <laughs> it's just insane they were right next to us there was no sleep, it was every 15 minutes <laughs>
0: And has that endeared the song to you more, or did it make you want to oh, never yeah. listen to it again?
1: Endeared it more. I just every time it comes on, that I don't even sing. I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier <laughs> now. It's ham hamster. And I think I think every not not that it's been this way in the past year, but if if I'm ever if I'm out and I'm in a club or a pub and it comes on, I'll always text Haley. <laughs> <and> go, <laughs> Here we go. It's on again she so said don't
0: remind me <laughs> do you know that's that that for what, what you've just there like what you've said there sorry is, it sums up the reason why I wanted to start this podcast is like hearing <laughs> hearing a song and being immediately transported back to somewhere because I do that all the time yeah. like I, I connect places with songs it's just something I've kind of naturally always done probably because of my love for yeah. music and I'm, I'm gonna enjoy now. I think whenever I hear that song now, I'll also think now of Ham and Hamster. So, I know. <laughs> so even well, however many feels. years later, it's still spreading, which is nice. That's it. Uh,
1: yes, yes. <laughs> Got to keep it going. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, let's move on to your final choice.
1: So, this I think I've cheated a wee bit here because actually, in terms of place, it seems like it's a lot of Scotland to me. So, it starts out at the Glasgow sets. Um, which is where it's connected to a show that I did. Monster in the Hall, specifically, is what, what the show's called, which is a David Gregg play. Uh, there's four of us that were in that. This was the song that came on just before uh, we entered. And so every show, we heard it. And then, like, the, the show did really well. I think we, we won, like, oh, was it my best ensemble, I think, at the Stage award or something, at the Traverse. So we, we went to the festival. So it also has Glasgow and the kind of creation of the show with David and with Guy Holland's director at the sits. And then it moved, then it did well and we ended up at the festival. So then it has I've got the festival in Edinburgh in my mind with it. And then it toured for a wee while so I've got Aberdeen in my mind with it. I've got well actually I have to say, say, say in Glasgow sits it actually started in Kirkcaldy <laughs> in a in a high school. Um and so we're staying in a wee hotel in the middle of Kirkcaldy. So that's there. Um, touring around different schools in a van. It seems like it's kind of in all those memories. And then, I mean, actually we culminated in going to, we didn't, we ended up, we went to China with it. We we went to Hong Kong first and then uh, Macau and then mainland China with the show. But it ended in, um, which is amazing, really, it ended in the Isle of Lewis and the Isle of Harris. Harris, no Lewis was the last show, yeah, um, and that was in National Theatre Scotland's first time, I believe, taking a show out to the those islands, um, and it wasn't overly well attended, but um, those that did come were just so kind of joyous about the show, and I do think it was an amazing piece, it was an amazing show, so I have this kind of extraordinary link to it and that it started out in a high school in Kirkcaldy, it went into the sets, well, the sets rehearsal room in a high school in Kirkcaldy, back to the sets over to Edinburgh, up to Aberdeen, kind of along the Emberness, around and about motorways as we went to different high schools and then China and then back to the islands like that. It's just, and, and I think everybody wishes, or at least they should, they could visit that Beach And I actually don't know what The name of the beach In Harris You might know that You're But
0: Lusk Tyre Is it
1: That that sounds right Yeah that sounds right Beautiful And like we were staying In this Gorgeous little hotel Had all these whiskies, And then um, Sitting there Kind of after the show You know And there's maybe like Five audience members Or something You know It was like <laughs> It was just awesome Like <laughs> And <laughs> sit there And me and Beth Marshall Would sit and have a few whiskies, And Guy Just ah. Uh, And then get up in the morning and go for a walk up to the Standing Stones, yeah, in Lewis.
0: Oh, amazing,
1: amazing, really. And so this song is completely linked to it because it was, it was there every single day because that's how the show started. I love it. Yeah. There's so much I could talk about. I sort of, you know, you must just kind of either ask more questions or tell me to shut up. But it's just I could talk about so many different parts of Scotland because of this song.
0: (laughs) Well, do you know what what interests me is sort of your connection to Scotland almost prior to this? Because you've talked fondly about getting the chance to go to like Lewis and Harris there. Had you had any experience at all from going to places like that prior to to this job?
1: No, this is the thing um, that my experience of Scotland of my home is cities or towns and really it's only a few you know it's glasgow kind of edinburgh and then places like gargosh Coatbridge, bridge uh, hamilton you know it's it's that kind of s- small pocket of towns that's in the central belt there and i i just did not i had no real connection to the landscape of scotland or you know yeah, I really didn't. I really didn't. And I guess, I, I think I said this to you earlier, Ian, but when we talked about me doing the coming on and, and chatting, I, I was hesitant because I thought, I'm, I feel like a bit of a fraud, as if I don't know enough about Scotland. And then I thought of this song, and it was it was this job that really showed me what Scotland looks like <laughs> outside of Glasgow and the surrounding suburbs. Uh, and it, it, I just went, wow, like the, the, the kind of contrast of Scotland is... Like insane, you just go go even Glasgow to Edinburgh. I mean, just straight along a motorway, you go from <laughs> one sort of world to it to like I don't know that like you go from I don't, I don't know like eighteen hundreds <laughs> over to Minas Tirith in Edinburgh or something like, <laughs> uh, and then up to yeah the beauty of the sea up in the Aberdeen and, and the islands. I just yeah that I really had no experience of what Scotland was outside of the central belt until late on in life really late on in life and then now i just kind of can't wait to go back all the time <laughs> like i need to get to the sea again
0: you mentioned earlier in in, in when, uh, earlier in the podcast sorry that you ch- you traveled up to avimore with your partner is it a mm-hmm. more do you make more of a conscious effort now as an adult obviously the last year has been difficult but before that to try and explore these different places in scotland
1: that's it yeah 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 i, I do and in fact because my partner's English he's from Nottingham and um because he asks questions about Scotland and I sometimes I can't answer them because I don't have any information so he goes like where's good to go like where's <laughs> the good sights to see and then I go um and I realize I don't know you know he kind of reveals my lack of knowledge so because <laughs> um I'm with him and he wants to explore the country I then make that conscious effort to go like where have i not been now so
0: must be nice to discover I, places together then
1: yeah it really is yeah because it's not just <laughs> you know dragged there when you're a kid because you're supposed to go and have a nice holiday you know but <laughs> actually it's freezing um it's going you know and we're going exploring today so we're getting in the car and we're going to net. we're going to stop off at footlockery and then we're going to drive up and then we're going to come back down this route um and yeah that and even like my The one holiday we could take last year, my aunt had bought a caravan um, in Weems Bay and uh, I'd never visited that kind of bit of the West Coast before. So Mm. I was like, well, let's just ask her if we can take the caravan for a week. And so took him up over there and then we got the ferry out over to uh, Rothsey, isn't it? Butte. Um, And again, it was a new... I I don't know. I just... I've become... Keen to educate myself on Scotland, which maybe is the right way to go. Like if you if you just grow up in the city, like it's just as your home, isn't it? It's just what it is. And then you you leave there and you start yearning to go back to it. But then you your your mind starts to expand and go, wait a minute, what is that? What actually is my home? My home is much bigger than just these collection of towns. It's it's the north of Scotland, it's all these kind of people and cultures that I just don't really know about yet. And I need to get up and find out.
0: Yeah. I, I grew up in a place called Bankery, which is about 40 minutes from Aberdeen. And it's right, okay. basically like a little oil community. Like everyone's parents seems to work in the oil industry. And uh, really, when I go back, I feel like my, I spent my childhood in almost this like five kilometre area. And because it's quite a middle class area, pe- holidays were very much like, oh, let's go abroad to like Cyprus or Spain or something. Um, yeah. Um, except I remember one family holiday we went to Sky actually and I remember thinking it rained the whole week why would you ever do this and now now as I'm older and like you said through like through your experience um touring with the sets one of my first jobs was with Eden Court and it was a Highlands and Islands tour and we ended up in like we went to Barra which I'd never ever even was on my radar and one of the cast Mm -hmm. members was from Barra so we got a turnout of like 150 people come to see the show on Barra which with a population of a thousand oh. people is, is pretty good <laughs> That's
1: amazing exactly yeah yeah
0: but it's like it created this whole opportunity for me and I think this is now the reason why I'm doing a podcast like this is because I've I've spent my spare time now when I'm up here being like oh great I live in if I live in Glasgow I can get in a car and I can be at Loch Lomond in under an hour and you've got this amazing yeah. playground really in front of you of places to explore and I think we're lucky having that in Scotland
1: Totally, and and I guess you know when, like you said, that your your childhood is just this kind of area, and you don't quite realize how close you are to everything. It's only really been in my twenties when I've gone back up with a car. I have to say, like actually, now I've got my own motor, Mm, (laughs) Um, driving up from London in the car, and then going. Wait a minute, like I could take Jason out to, well, Holmend, like. (laughs) That's an hour away. What? And particularly when you're used to driving around London, which takes you about four hours just to get the other side of it because of the traffic. You go, God, I could reach Aviemore in four hours, you know, from from Glasgow and and see this extraordinary landscape. And although we live down here right now, uh, the kind of plan is that, I guess, between the next five or 10 years to move back and properly settle back up the road for me. So that's something to kind of look forward to my later years too, is really get to grips with the, the country.
0: Is your partner involved in, in theatre?
1: <laughs> was, yeah, he was a stage manager, um, for about 10 years. Um, it's not how we met actually. We met at Lepa. God, yeah, that, that <laughs> one year I spent there that didn't really feel like much. I just happened to meet him there and then, you know, got together, then broke up and whatever. Five years later, I bumped into him again and now I've been with him eight years. Um, and, and, but no, he's now uh, a paramedic and so uh, really shifted from being uh, in theatre, just complete 180 and now works at <laughs> yeah. the NHS. So uh, sort of, there's this kind of continual training that happens when you do that shift because you kind of learn on the job. Um, so we've got to see that out. I, I kind of want to see what happens with my work. Kind of, sort of ideally means that I can kind of, base myself anywhere that would be good yeah so I could kind of feel like I could be in Scotland and not have to be traveling constantly um so that that's the plan but yeah he, I mean he, he would just need to kind of shift up to Scottish NHS and I think he he's quite likes the idea of working on the helicopters <laughs> so that's his kind of plan is to get himself kind of trained up enough that he can then do that job Should be fun for him I guess
0: yeah it sounds exciting um David it's been so lovely to chat to you about all of these stories and places in Scotland so I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to to speak to me this morning and to share your memories and stories
1: that's right we didn't do the last song even. and I was
0: just going to say we could we could listen to it to, to finish off um,
1: oh good I was like we need to hear about it now man
0: yeah, I always <laughs> always make a point to make sure that I I say thank you um, before. Otherwise, I'll be like, I right, I "Let's I listen to the you. song." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but honestly, you've you've taken me on a great nostalgia trip to some of my favorite memories as well. So that's been really lovely.
1: That's all. That's that's. I mean, I'm so pleased that you asked me to do this because it's been. It's not just a. I bet I think of three songs. I bet I think of three places. It's been sitting with me since you message. Was that three to go? Yeah. It's been it's been lovely sitting with those memories. So thank you, because it's a cracking way to reflect.
0: Well, with that in mind, do you mind doing the honours and and revealing the final song that you've chosen to play today?
1: <laughs> this is going to be so weird for people. Uh, so the <laughs> final song is the the leader of the pack by the Shangri Las.
0: listening to the tracks that take us back on capture caledonia with and petrie thank you so much for listening to capture caledonia the tracks that take us back if you're enjoying the podcast please remember to subscribe and to leave us a rating and a review please also go on social media and like and share the pages with all your friends and family a little reminder that on facebook and instagram just search capture caledonia and on twitter search capture cali go on like, share, post, comment about it, and help spread the word of Capture Caledonia. If you want to support the podcast, remember you can go on to my Buy Me A Coffee page, www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash Capture Any amount that you can afford to donate to support the podcast will really go a long way and help to ensure that we can keep the podcast going in the future. Thank you so much for your continued support, and I look forward to seeing you next week.